Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. We know you're busy. Bills to pay, mouths to feed, and the man needs another favor. So just in case you missed what happened on the fan today, we got your back. And even if you did hear it live, you probably need to hear it again. Here you go, all in one place and in just one hour. The best of the best from today on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Instant Replay. Rick Carlisle joining the show here. Pacers head coach on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, uh, a good morning to you. I guess between traveling and hanging out with the family uh, and everything else, how much did you get to see of All-Star Weekend? Your guys uh, showed out pretty well there over the weekend. What did you make of all the views from Indianapolis? That was great. I saw the majority of it on TV. And, uh, you know, Miles and um, Ben and Tyrese did great. The skills, uh, Ty, Ty was great in the All-Star game. Um and it just it just looked like Indy really uh repped extremely, extremely well. Um as a city, as a as a hosting uh city. Um and you know, it was it was great. I you know, I mean so many good things going on. Does Rick Carlisle care that the game uh was in the two hundreds? That the East that the East had over two hundred points. Do you care at all about that? That was that was the big national discussion yesterday, Rick. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, you, you want you want scoring in an All Star game, right? I mean, uh, and I understand all the discussion about the, you know, what the game looks like and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. Seven, eight years ago. Did, did anybody think we'd be seeing guys routinely pulling up from half court and swishing jump shots? I mean, it's pretty spectacular, you know, if you really think about it. Rick Carlisle is with us here. Pacers back to practice uh, later today and Thursday night. Pacers and Pistons as they get their final 26 games started here at, in the second half, more like the final third of the season. Uh, Coach, uh, how is Aaron Neesmith doing? What's your expectation with him after uh, he got hurt uh, in that Toronto game? Uh, he's doing better. Um, don't know, you know exactly what this is going to look like in the next three days, but um, you know, I, I think the good news was it looked like it could have been a, a really, really bad injury when it happened. Um, his reaction, the way he hit the floor, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's looking. Uh, like an, more like an ankle injury uh, than anything having to do with a leg or anything else. So that's good news. And uh, in terms of timetable, don't know. Don't, not sure if you know Thursday's uh, a possibility or not. Uh, we certainly hope it, it, it is. Um, but if it isn't, we're not going to push it. I mean, he's too important to us. He's having a he's having a great year. Uh, you know, amazing levels of efficiency on offense and one of our best defensive players and one of our good rebounders as well. So, you know, we'll hope for the best and kind of see more of what's what when we get in there today. 
Will you manage Tyrese at all this week in a particular way? As you know, he obviously did a whole lot, not only activity wise on the floor, but was a busy, busy man off the floor as well uh, this past weekend. Well, he he is uh, not required to practice today um, as a, an All Star game participant. So um, we'll figure out the best thing to do there. I. Um, my guess is that uh, he will participate in some treatment, some strength stuff, maybe a little bit of light shooting, but I do not expect him to practice today. I don't think it would be a good idea. Um, you know, from afar, I'm <laughs> I'm watching a lot of this stuff on Instagram, and it seemed like he was everywhere all the time. And so um, he's got to be tired, um, but we got to get him ready for Thursday because – you know, Thursday is the beginning of a very important stretch for us, and we obviously need him. Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, joining us here on the Wake Up Call on the fan. He joins us uh, Tuesdays, 8 o'clock on the Payless Liquors Hotline. So we've been through Neesmith and obviously Halliburton. And one guy I'm so interested to ask you about is Benedict Mather. And, you know, last week, a, a week ago, last Tuesday, coach, you said to us, you know, his his health was worrying you. He had the leg injury, had the, the illness obviously going around the team. And then, boy, this weekend, he looked like he got some of that pop back, whether it be on Friday night. You know, the Rising Stars game, winning that, and he was just out and about in Indianapolis. Uh, what did you make watching him this weekend, and uh, how do you think he is feeling, and how vital is he uh, for you guys the final 26 games? It does seem like, you know, the last couple weeks he's been up and down with health. Hey, 20 years old. He looked fine to me this weekend. <laughs> what do you want to say? Um, I think he needed the, the couple of days off, um, you know, including the Toronto game at Toronto. Um, but talking to uh, Josh yesterday a little bit about where guys were, um, it seems like uh, Ben's feeling much better. Whatever happened in the New York game, I know we broke that news last week that you know he was probably going to miss the game on, on Wednesday. Whatever happened in New York um, that led to – you know, him just not looking himself in Charlotte. I, mean, I, I think I, I, my sense is that, you know, that that's resolved itself pretty well. So, um, you know, I expect him to be a full participant in practice today, unless I hear otherwise. Um, and, uh, you know, all our guys are important. I mean, look what Shepard did in the, <laughs> in the Toronto game. I mean, you want to talk about the importance of depth in the NBA? I mean, here's a guy that has not been in the primary rotation really at all this year, but in the fourth quarter, he hits two big threes. He got the big stop on Barrett on the last play of the game. And uh, so, yes, uh, Ben's important. You know, Shep's important. I mean, all these guys are important. We're probably going to need some of our two-way guys to be ready to practice today as well. Coach, not to get too personal, but you said you were checking out Instagram. I want to throw you a follow. If so, is is this your own Instagram account that you were perusing over All-Star Weekend? Uh, gosh, I don't know if, what I'm allowed to say here about this. But, um, yeah, no, I know I have an account. It doesn't have my name on it, but I, I, I have it so I could follow Abby and, and follow our players and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of it. 
Rick Carlisle here, scrolling through Instagram over All-Star <laughs> well, Weekend. Now, now, now I'm trying to find, is it, you know, Pacers man 15 or what? And now I'm trying to find I don't think you're going to get no. any reveal <laughs> on so that. Either. Again, Pacers back to practice today, coming up Thursday night. Uh, a lot of home games out of uh, the All-Star break. It'll be the Pistons on Thursday. Uh, Coach, you kind of said it. It's so many appearances for Tyrese Halliburton over All-Star Weekend. Um, one I was listening to, he was on with uh, J.J. Redick, and uh, they started talking about kind of in-game, and you you know, calling out a set from the sidelines, and at times you've given Tyrese and I, I believe all of your point guards, if I heard Tyrese correct, authority to kind of trump you if they see something that whatever is 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 different than you're observing, or I forget exactly how Tyrese worded it. When did that like occur to you as, as a coach? Has that always been something you've done for two decades of letting your point guards I, trump you, for lack of a better word? And, and how did it come that you know all of these guys? Uh, have that uh, have that authority with you. Well, two words, Jason Kidd. Um, when he was uh, when I was with him in Dallas the first year, we got off to kind of an uneven start the first year, and our our, our season turned when it just became obvious to me that you know uh, the best thing for us was to have him do the play calling, do the really or, orchestration of the offense. Um, Jason had such a great feel for his teammates. He was like a scientist out there. You know, he just, uh, he, he could just <laughs> control the game. And, and Tyrese has the same, has the same abilities. Um, and, you know, something happened, something happened in the Toronto game that was, that was uh, a great example of this. And, you know, I, I called something that, you know, had been a good action for us. Um, and it was, you know, a, a play where there's a ball screen and, and, and Nemhard's handling and, and Tyrese is a screener on part of the ball, on part of the ball screening action. It's kind of a misdirection type thing. And it's because teams play Tyrese so closely, um, a lot of times, you know, he's like Steph Curry. It it, it turns into a, like a double screen, and somebody gets wide open. Well, <laughs> this is the fourth quarter. Like this is when the game is really on the line. I mean, this is I don't know whether you know tie game or maybe we're down two or something. I mean, we were fighting back the whole time in the Toronto game, and you know, as a coach, you just you know you you gain a feel for these kinds of things and. You know, the year we won our championship in Dallas, um, our our year developed into a year where we were just playing the game. We were making very few play calls. Like in the finals against Miami, Miami was so good defensively that if you tried to run something where people like started in certain spots and it looked like a regular NBA set, I mean, they would just blow it up. And so we just became the, the, the random team. Well, anyway, in this instance, <laughs> you know, Nimhart comes off and 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 the, <laughs> throwing the ball out of bounds, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, geez, you know. So I, I said, I, I'm just going to let these, I'm going to let Tyrese just run this thing at the end. And he and he and Pascal got together, and they just they they found some situations that turned into positive situations and the last couple 
resulted in Pascal making, you know, he made one really difficult shot on that kind of that right elbow area. And then the last one, he rejected a screen and, and had the floater uh, on the left baseline, which in effect turned out to be the game winning shot. So, you know, that's, that's an example of it. You know, sometimes your team needs help. Um, sometimes, you know, it's best to stay the hell out of the way. And so um, that's kind of, that's, kind of the best example I can give you of something recently that happened. Uh, Rick Carlisle with us here. Payless Liquors Hotline, Pacers head coach. Was it day one you give that authority to your point guard and Tyrese Halliburton, or how long did it take for that kind of relationship and trust? When did that click? Was it last year, this year? When did you give him, uh, I guess, autonomy? Yeah, with him, it was pretty much day one, yeah. I mean, I, I knew that we were getting a franchise caliber point guard and sure it, it, you know it's it's just it's important um to you know to show that trust right off the bat um and he was coming into a new circumstance i was aware of what sacramento had been doing with their system and you know ty ty was uh, kind of the starting two guard for for sacramento like he had he and Fox started together, so he would kind of start playing off the ball, and then you know, they, then when Fox would go out, he would play point, and then but they also had Davion Mitchell, so it was kind of a. I don't know that he was ever the full fledged point guard there, but with us, that's that's who he was, and that's what we needed, and so, you know, it was just uh, it was a nod to my belief in him right off the bat, and uh, you know, it's. You know, it's like that. It's like that commercial about you know, hey, we need a hit. Uh, Should I put in Derek Jeter or this you know seven year old, or should I pick Barkley or this other kid over here? You know, it's like you know the easiest decision in the history of decisions. You know, so um, and obviously it's worked out well. I would say so. I, I would say so. Needless to say, it has, yes. <laughs> Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Again, back from the All-Star break. Pacers will get on the practice floor later today. Coach, you mentioned some of your two-way guys being ready to practice today. Um, I don't know how much you got to watch Jarris Walker, you know, obviously from you know video when he played out uh, west with the G League team here a couple weeks ago. It looked like he had some you know nice games. What, what did you either hear? What did you observe with your own eyes from him and uh, his uh, latest progression? A lot of growth, a lot of progress, um, a lot of uh, really, you know, evolution of, uh, of approach to each game. Um, I think I mentioned this to you guys, you know, maybe it was last show, maybe it was two shows ago, but you know, I, I talked to him, Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce and I uh, talked to Jairus. Like, you know, Lloyd's kind of the liaison between the uh, G League team and our team. Um, he does a lot of the uh, a lot of the scheduling, you know, we talk about it, et cetera, but he comes up with, you know, the I- ideas of what's needed. And, you know, Jer- Jer- Jairus had had uh, – he had some – you know, uneven um, situations. You know, where he, he played okay, um, but he was feel he was feeling like, you know, he, he felt like it was a punishment that he was going to play with these guys. And we explained to him that look, this is 
this is the opportunity that you need, and here's how you need to look at it. You know, uh, this is a growth thing. Um, this is a maturity thing. You've got to look at this like this is your team, and it's your responsibility to put these guys on your back and not just score points, but to lead and to engage with your, with the coaching staff and to uh, find ways to win games. And so I, it's interesting you asked this because I, I ran into Tom Hankins um, yesterday. He's a coach of the Jews. He does a great job. Um, and I said, Tom, how, how, uh, how did it go with Jarris? It looked like, you know, uh, from some of the stuff I saw in statistics and he said, he said in these, in these four games, he was a different person. He was a different player. Um, he was a leader of the team. Um, he went to every optional shoot. Um, he competed. He he, he, uh, he he got together like competitive things during the optional shoots and stuff like that. And look, this is this is the kind of growth that you need, and this is why the G League is so important. And so. Um, he'll be back today. He'll be practicing today. Um, and, you know, this this kind of progress uh, puts him in a, in a better position to help us, you know, if needed this year. Um, but it just shows maturity. It shows that, you know, he's, he's understanding what this is all about. And the thing that I've told him, you know, all along this year is that, you know, time flies by. You know, and this year is going to go by quickly. And if he and if he doesn't take advantage of this opportunity, I mean, he's letting something um, very valuable pass him by. And 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 now it's clear that that he is getting it, and um, this is helping him a lot. Coach, we'll end with this. As always, we appreciate your time. Um, back to practice later today. What was the favorite thing? I know you were a busy man, a lot of family time over the last week or so. What was the favorite activity that Rick Carlisle did during his All-Star break? Well, as I, as I mentioned to you guys, you know, whenever it was, a couple weeks ago, you know, I, I took the, stayed over in Toronto. My brother came, stayed over in Toronto. We took the train the next morning to Brockville, Ontario, about a 10-minute ride to my hometown in Augsburg. Spent a day and a half with my mom and dad up there, which was which was great. My dad's uh, 94 in September. Wow. Um, yeah, and he's just uh, – <laughs> he's got the greatest attitude of, of anyone I've ever known in my life. I mean, you know, here's, here's his approach to life. He says, you know, if I hadn't smoked between ages 18 and 32 – I'm convinced that I would live to be 130 instead of 110. <laughs> I love you know? it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there was that, and then uh, and then caught a flight, caught a flight down to Charlottesville, and and spent the uh, spent the weekend with Abby and met Donna down there. And so we had a great weekend down there with hers. Went to the uh, UVA Wake Forest game um, on Saturday at noon. Uh, I had a wonderful experience at courtside for that game, and. It was the opposite of the NBA All-Star game. Uh, UVA won that game, I believe it was 47-45. to 45. Um, And they are one of the greatest defensive teams you'll ever see. And it's, it's so interesting, you know, sitting in that crowd. That is a college crowd environment that really gets into defense, you know, with the way Tony Bennett coaches defense. And so 
Uh, and so that was cool. And then, uh, yeah, we hung out with her and her friends on Saturday night, um, met all them, you know, we just, we just had a really, really cool few days and got back, uh, yesterday afternoon. So all is good. We might need some weekly wisdom from Mr. Carlisle there. I absolutely love that quote uh, from your father there. Hell of a life uh, lived. Well, he's got he... he's got plenty he's got plenty of it. He's willing to <laughs> share. Let me tell you that. That's great. I can imagine. Good for him. I can imagine. Sounds like an awesome weekend. Glad you got to spend some time with the family and your players. Certainly held the fort down here quite well. Uh, good luck this week, Coach. And as always, thank you for the time. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay, today on Quarry & Company. Okay, so Eddie Garrison has dropped the knowledge here. Again, if you're just joining us, where have you been? Um... I lost my mind earlier about IU basketball because Mike Woodson said something. I'm just like, it, I, there was some sense in what he said. I, I got it, but we might get back into that, but I'll try not to completely lose my mind again. But today is the day where the franchise tags can be placed on players in the National Football League. Now, there are two kinds of franchise tags, three kinds. The first would be that you – well, go ahead and, Eddie, illuminate me on the three kinds. Okay, so the first one is an exclusive franchise tag. This one prohibits players from negotiating with other teams and are fully controlled by their current team. The player will be paid 120% of his previous salary or the average of the top five players at his position, whichever is greater. Okay. The second is the non-exclusive franchise tag. Players are allowed to negotiate with other teams, but their current team has the ability to match any contract offer. If the team does not match, then the team losing the player will receive two first-round picks. So this is the Lamar Jackson franchise tag from last season that Baltimore put on him. And then the transition tag is a little bit of a combination of the two between exclusive and non-exclusive. The transition tag um, is a tag in which you can get paid up to 10 uh, the top 10 salaries on average. Uh, and then you do not lose or you do not gain any comp compensation if the player leaves the team. So if Pittman left Indianapolis, the Colts would not receive any compensation like they would with the non-exclusive tag. Well, okay, so I'm confused. The transition tag, what would be the purpose in transition tagging? Transition tag for someone. I don't know. It doesn't there's not, you, there's not you, much. You don't maintain the player's rights, right? Guaranteed? Correct. You have the tag on there, they can still negotiate with other teams, but if they come back to you, then you can pay them the top 10 averages of that player's position. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but 4 o'clock today is when it will be announced if a tag is placed today. 
What we do know in terms of the, Michael Pittman's the big one for the Colts to see. Look, Pittman is the player we assume they would place the tag on. There are others they could do it if they wanted to, I guess. You know, Julian Blackman or somebody. You know, there are other. Doesn't have to be Michael Pittman. If Pittman they place is the assumed player that they would prioritize towards placing it. If they place it on somebody else, do you and I want to go ahead and help Michael Pittman Jr. pack his bags, or should we wait for Chris Bauer to call us for that? Depends on what they're offering him, though, right? If the they Colts place, or anybody. Well, if they place the franchise tag, let's just say for the sake of the discussion, sure. that the Colts place the franchise tag on Julian Blackman. Yep. And then they go to Michael Pittman and they say, oh, and by the way, we're, we want to give you a three-year, $90 million deal. He ain't going anywhere. Sure. Right? Unless, and I don't, I don't know the math on other contenders that would fit this bill, but unless he does not believe in what's being built at West 56th and somebody gives him comparable or the same amount of money. True. Because he feels like he has a better chance to win and get paid. I, I would assume... The tag eliminates all that. I would assume that Michael Pittman Jr., though, has a higher financial value to Indianapolis than he does elsewhere. I mean, they, I would assume they could outspend pretty much anybody, so I would agree with you in that regard. And, and, well, here's the thing. Not only do they have the more flexibility to do so... But I think they, I think the Colts would have a longer leash on how. In other words, if this was an auction, like for the Kennedy Junior or for John Kennedy's golf clubs, and Elaine's sitting there on Seinfeld, and she's got the paddle, she knows that she's got a limit she can spend, but she went over it because she got over uber competitive. Like the Colts can can continue to raise their paddle in a longer bidding war it's a terrible analogy to give when you're talking about a person or a player but you get what i'm saying like they have i think they have not only more flexibility but i think they have more willingness with michael Pittman to spend than do other teams because the way their team is structured i think he has a better value to indianapolis than he would to say you know cleveland i'm just throwing teams out there arizona those teams may say yeah if we can get him for 22 million we'd do it but the colts i think would say we're willing to spend up to like $28 million. You know what I mean? I mean, I think they have – they just have more juice in it would be my assumption. Um, but we'll talk more about that with Stephen Holder coming up at 2 o'clock. The other story that happened before we went on the air today that I want to revisit. We just talked about Purdue. We talked about Butler. Um, Indiana's in a really unique situation. And, you know, I just had – Somebody that sent me a text and said, look, I'm a diehard Indiana fan. Maybe the best thing is to just quit talking about them. And I get that, but there's interest in them, period. There always will be interest in Indiana, in Indiana basketball. And the abbreviated version and the less vociferous version of what I said earlier is the following. When when Archie Miller, and, and I will give Indiana credit, I guess, in this regard, When they hired Archie Miller, it seemed like a home run hire. It seemed like he was, and partially because of Sean Miller, it felt like he was the second coming of a Sean Miller who had built a a strong program, built by the wrong word, but maintained a strong program in Arizona and had done a good job at Xavier. And Archie Miller had had success in Dayton, and so it was like somebody's going to pluck him away, and Indiana was the one that went and said, you're our guy. And they cut bait with Tom Crean. I had no problem with that. I know that Tom Crean has given Indiana their best years of success that they've had since Bob Knight's departure. 
but he also was very exhausting to people within the athletic department and it just was time for a fresh start for everybody including Tom Crean and so when that happened I can tell you factually that Fred Glass said Archie Miller is my guy from the get-go I don't know that he even interviewed anybody else that was who he wanted from the get-go and he went and got him and at the time I I get it clearly it just did not work out and they cut bait and so then they're back to square one now my problem is this I get that Mike Woodson was a safe hire because he'd coached in the NBA he played at Indiana so he checked that box you know think about what he's going to be able to do for recruiting because he can tell players that he coached Carmelo a 16-year-old kid right now probably barely even remembers Pete Carmelo. Certainly a 16-year-old kid now, he's lucky if his parents remember Mike Woodson as a player. Okay? But he had NBA connections. He's kind of a cool-looking guy. He's laid back. He's like one aspirin from a coma. So, like, whatever. I get it. But I don't think that anybody thought when they hired Mike Woodson, that it was going to be anything than potentially a stopgap hire. This is the guy that you can get that's a transitional guy until you find your long-term 20-year guy. And Woodson gets in there, and I think he thinks to himself, well, hell, this is cool. But they've underperformed. They've had a rotation of, of roster They've hung on to guys that they probably should have jettisoned a long time ago. And Mike Woodson earlier today was asked in the preparation for Nebraska about his future at Indiana, and he had this to say. You know, I came back to try to put this team in the best position possible, and, you know, I'm going to continue to, to do that. I mean, I'm I'm sixty, almost 66, but I feel good, and I still move around, and I think – I still think well in terms of the game, and I still think I can teach the game. So I don't know. I mean, there there are coaches that are coaching into their seventies, and you know, I don't know if that's something I'll do. I don't know. You know, I'll. But at this point, I'll take it a a day at a time, a year at a time. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, guys. I'm just not. So I'm going to continue to build this team and and try to put this team in the best position possible. Okay, now. Here's the problem. He later talked about their lack of guard play. Jimmy, you said it very well earlier. Not only do they not have guard play right now, there's no real thought that they're going to have guard play next year. Yeah, the conversation, there's no recruit of that position that fits for them right now. They have no commitment at that position going into next season. The thought would be because they have a big in Liam McNeely and maybe they're able to woo over Derek Queen who's not decided yet where he's going to go. That's another big. There's still no guard play there. Unless Gabe Cups takes another leap forward next season, and I know that who am I forgetting? Jakai Newton was correct. Yes, st- he was, still still there, and he was he was touted. So like he was maybe four star yeah combo guard so coming out of high school. Maybe there's something there again. I I like Jake. I'm never big into the rankings of it all because it doesn't matter once you get to the next level. But that is worth noting. Still though, at this stage, you're gonna have to get somebody in the portal. Okay, now. He had this to say about the guard play for this year. When we knew Jalen was leaving, we desperately tried to find a backup point guard or a starting point guard to go along with Xavier. 
and Gallo. So we explored, we talked to different guys and, and guys went to different, you know, went other places based on, they thought that was a better fit. So, you know, we basically came into this season hoping like hell that X didn't get hurt and Gabe would get an opportunity to learn slowly. Okay. Here's the problem with that statement. Number one, once Jalen Hood Shafino, we knew he was leaving. Everyone knew he was leaving. You have to constantly be recruiting. You have to constantly be thinking around the corner. I had a basketball executive tell me once, Jake, what you don't realize is that some of the moves that I have been given the most credit in the course of my career were never my plan A. They were my plan B or plan C, but nobody knew that because when plan A went awry, I had plan B and plan C immediately ready to go. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. That right there sounds like somebody who was taught, caught off guard that Jalen Huchifino late in the year decided to go pro. Everybody knew that was going to happen. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. This is Instant Replay. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Man, we spent a Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. A lot of time today uh, on the Colts. The first day, the first minutes, you can put the franchise tag on a player. Michael Pittman, obviously, would be that player for the Colts. And to talk about that and much more, Joel A. Erickson joining us from the Indianapolis. Starry joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, good morning, sir. Hope all is well. Be at a great weekend your way. Do you uh, expect, probably not today, but in the next couple weeks, do you expect that Michael Pittman does receive the franchise tag? Let's start there. I I just think they kind of have to. Um, Pittman's, you know, expressed a desire to to see what the open market has to offer. It doesn't really make sense uh, for the Colts to let that happen in any way. Um... I, I it just I'd be surprised. They 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 had three receivers last year who essentially played all of the snaps. And if you take one of them away, you're kind of putting yourself in a corner where you have to uh I feel like you essentially would have to like sign T Higgins or something to make up for it. So I I, I would think that they'd they tag him eventually. Yeah, Joel, that's kind of where I've been of like, okay, tell me a realistic plan B. I, I, I'm all ears. I will listen, but I just haven't heard anyone offer that that I can sit there and like somewhat nod my head at. By the way, I saw you from afar at the All-Star Game. Apologize for not saying hello. There was a lot of people oh, there. Boy. I was I was largely intimidated by all the people there. Joel, how was your All-Star Game experience? Uh, it was it was fun. It's uh, Anytime I uh, – when I get to cover those big events that aren't football, it's kind of fun. There's like a – um, sort of like a, a, a little bit less pressure to the whole thing. Um, I, I don't know that I got super excited about the basketball I saw, but I think that's, I think you kind of know that going in. Um, yeah, just kind of fun to be on the, uh, be around everything downtown. Uh, the, I was in the crossover event a little bit on Sunday. That place was insane in terms of how much. I was going to say, did you, did you take your were. boys? I'd have loved it. I, I did not take my boys. 
down. Uh, when, when I got in there, I was like, man, I wish I, I if they had been, not been in school, like on Friday or something, when it wasn't quite so crowded, it would have been a good time. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, like all, you know, I felt like you could shoot a basketball. Well, shoot, you could shoot a basketball like on the street on the way from the convention center to Gainbridge. That was great. Like, I've shot a basketball more in the last five days than I've <laughs> shot in the last probably five years combined there. So, uh, yeah, I was very much loving that. Um, I do want to get, by the way, I believe you have a, um, I don't know if it's a hot take on how to change up the All-Star game, but um, I do want to get to that before we exit. But obviously, Colt specific here with Joel A. Erickson from the Star. Do you think another element of the Pittman franchise tag idea is this, and it might be too far-fetched, so obviously feel free to disagree, but in tagging him and not giving him a long-term deal until mid-July, doesn't that leave you wiggle room if anything crazy or unforeseen arises this offseason? Like, if all of a sudden, you know, and again, I'm throwing out a hypothetical here, but if you get a team like the Titans a few years ago, it's like, yep, A.J. Brown is now for sale, if you don't give Pittman Jr. the long-term deal, you might feel a little bit better financially to insert yourself into a conversation like that. Again, the hypothetical is probably far-fetched, but I feel like that's another part of giving him the tag, being patient on the long-term deal, that I'm curious if Chris Boward will entertain at all. Well, I, I think, I think you know, the, the options open, I think that's also part of the reason that maybe that the teams don't really franchise uh, people, when the window opens, typically they usually wait till later in the deadline. You know, you you wonder like if you're going to franchise this person anyway, why don't you just do it right away? Well, if you could somehow work out the combines coming up, that's when a lot of GMs meet with the agents for their uh, for their in-house free agents and 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 talk things out. If you if you could lock you know lock up your obvious tag candidate to a a long-term deal, well then maybe you can use a tag somewhere else. Uh, if if you don't if if you've got that person already locked up to a deal, I, I don't think that's going to happen with Pittman. But you know that's 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 one of the options and one of the reasons that teams wait. It who would be most are, likely in, in that case? Sorry to interrupt, Grover, Kenny, or Julian Blackman. I I think it'd be Blackman, and the reason would be because of black because the safety tag is probably pretty low compared to everything else. Like if you're if you're trying to tag Grover Stewart, you're putting him up with like. You know Aaron Donald's contract, right? And, Dexter and Lawrence, Chris Jones, yep. Cornerback, cornerback is kind of the same thing. You, it's the top five there is pretty high paid. Safety is not. So if if you were to work out a deal and you were going to tag somebody, you, you'd tag Blackman because the the one year deal there is probably not nearly as prohibitive. Joel A. Erickson joining us uh, following the Colts for the Indianapolis Star. He joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, for the people that say Chris Ballard doesn't pay wide receivers, what would be your response to that with Michael Pittman? Um, I, I think, I think in general, uh, Pittman's different because Pittman represents something that hasn't been available necessarily uh, outside of outside of uh, you know the one year deal with T. Y. Hilton in his time. It's just. He's in house, and and Ballard, Ballard, you know, really, really values paying his own guys in house. Um, plus, I, I think, I think we've probably talked about this on this on this on, on your show before. But Pittman is kind of like the perfect Ballard receiver in my mind because he's so willing to do the dirty work. He's so physical. Um, I, I a lot of the stuff that Ballard always talks about wanting to see in a player is, is the way Pittman plays. 
I, I think that's part of it for me is just, and then, you know, the, the answer he gave in the answer he gave in his postseason press conference about the wide receiver market, you know, if you, if, if the cost is $4 a gallon, you have to pay $4 a gallon. I, I thought that was a, a, a hint that he was, acknowledging where things have gone in the receiver position. He's Joel A. Erickson. Does an outstanding job covering the Colts for the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Joel, did I read correctly in your piece the second longest franchise tag drought? I don't know if drought's the right word. Is the Colts? Haven't used it in yeah, 11 years? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I that's that's what my understanding based on like what I was looking at yesterday is mm. the only team that's that's gone longer without using it is the Eagles. Um, and the last time was McAfee in 2013. I think part of that uh, speaks to the fact that they locked up guys ahead of time. Sure. In general, you know, I mean, like we talk about the John, we talk about, and obviously the Jonathan Taylor thing did get uh, pretty spicy there for a while, but they still ended up signing him before he even got to free agency. They they haven't really let these guys get um, to the to the market, including like the specialists, because I think. I think, like, you know, they, them tagging McAfee, I was looking through some of the history of the other teams. There's there's kind of a lot – well, more more kickers and punters than I would have expected have gotten tagged in the last 10 years. But then you think about it, if you've got a guy in a free agent, the, the, the kicker tag or punter tag is not very high. That kind of makes sense too. But, um, yeah, no, they, they have not used it in more than a decade, um, which is, is a little surprising when you look at the rest of the league. It's It's – Every other team has used it so – like the Cowboys end up tagging people all the time. I think they would be like on the high end of the usage. But for the most part, it just seems like – it's like kind of what Ballard said. It's just part of the business, and it's kind of surprising that the Colts have somehow gotten through a decade without having to give somebody – without giving somebody a tag. Yeah, I remember I did this exercise in my, ha- in my head a few months ago. I can't think of anybody, though, I feel like deserved to be tagged or like I had a wild right. debate over even in that time span – Either shifting gears just a little bit, and again, Joel A. Erickson from the Star covers the Colts. He's with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I tossed this to Andy's way a little bit early in the show. What needs would you label more draft related? What needs would you label more free agency related here in the offseason? I'll give an example of each. For the draft, I think at some point, not early, at some point, you need to try and find the center of the future. Uh, probably a middle ish round pick. Free agency wise, I think that's where you go for corner versus drafting another one early. What say you on draft needs versus free agency needs? I I think I think center 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 in the draft is a is a really good one that people are probably not not thinking about or talking about. I think linebacker fits in there. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think linebacker fits in sort of the same category of. You know, not necessarily a high pick, but those Ballard's done well finding starters in the middle of the late rounds at linebacker. And they're kind of they're a little light behind Franklin and Speed with those guys kind of coming up on the end of their deals. I think I think that's definitely a spot that's draft corner free agency. Because just I mean, like that one seems obvious just because they they don't have guys with with a whole ton of experience coming back you got to have somebody there who, who knows what they're doing I think especially after the stuff they said about Gus Bradley and why they brought him back was they didn't give him enough you know there were calls he couldn't make that kind of thing well you if you're going to bring him back then you have to give him some of that stuff all right Joel good seeing you from afar uh, the other night thank you for the time 
Thanks again for listening to Instant Replay because second helpings are always best when the main course is still fresh. Instant Replay on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.